This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is your nutritional cheat code. Pour one pack of Athletic Greens into a glass of water, mix it up, slam it down, and you have your daily allotment of vitamins, minerals, and superfoods. You can now, through Wrestling Changed My Life, through this awesome offer, go to athleticgreens.com slash WCML, get a one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. athleticgreens.com slash WCML, one-year supply of vitamin D droplets and five free travel packs. You have to own the third period. There, there's a lot of, lot of uh, great wrestlers for, uh, for one period, and then, then they become average wrestlers in the second period, and then, then they can hardly move in the third period. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Thursday, August 25th, coming to you from the windy Chicago IL. Our guest today is Andy Motter, a two-time national champ for Penn State in the early 70s. His sons, Clinton and Brett Motter, went on to wrestle at Penn. Brett was a national champ, making Andy and Brett the fourth or fifth father-son duel to win a national title. I say that because I've seen conflicting reports on, on if they were the fourth or the fifth. Regardless, Andy had an incredible career at Penn State. He went on to coach at Penn State. And then he went on to a successful career in business. I love this conversation. A lot of life lessons. Hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to an Apple podcast review left on the 15th of August from our friend Jay Dubia 2020. He says, not your average sports podcast. If you're involved with the sport of wrestling and have been at one time, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Thank you so much, my friend, and thank you to everyone who's left an Apple Podcast or Spotify review. We greatly appreciate it. Now, on to the interview with the great Andy Motter. Okay, Andy Motter, welcome to the podcast, sir. Uh, well, 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 thanks for inviting me, Ryan. It's an honor to have you. I love going back and looking at some of the history books from when you were at Penn State and you know, obviously uh, familiar with your sons and what they did at Penn. I just wanted to start, though. You know, you're a Penn State legend, two-time national champ. We're some of the part of some of those great teams with Bill Cole. How did your uh, How did your boys end up going to Penn over Penn State? Uh, well, uh, I wanted my 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 oldest son Clinton, which was uh, uh, pretty much interested in business. Roger Reina was uh, and uh, was very interested in and in, in, in Clinton and Clinton was wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world uh, coming out of high school. Uh, he he ended up growing about six uh, six inches and sixty pounds when he was in college, so uh, he was a late bloomer in in uh, in a sense like that. And, uh, and, and Penn's a lot closer than Penn state. Uh, so, so he, he went, to, he went and got, and, and Wharton is about the best school you can get for business. So, uh, 
we were we were happy to be able to uh, uh, have him have him go to Wharton. And that being said, yeah, Brett was you know ended up being a much better re- high school wrestler than 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 Clinton, but uh, they were both very close to each other uh, growing up and. Um, Brett still uh, also had an interest in business and uh, was was able to uh, uh, get get into Wharton, which is not an easy school to get into. And uh, I fi- figured out uh, one way or another how how we were gonna how we were gonna get both of them through that school, which which uh, which we did. Thank goodness. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd heard you say that, that, uh, you know, even if Penn State offers you a full ride, and I believe they did to Brett, if you yeah, can get into did, Wharton, yeah. you're going to yeah. Wharton. <laughs> that that's uh, I, I did. I did say that. Yes. Uh, like, and, uh, and I, I, I told that to Roger and um, I told it to Brett. I said, We're, we'll figure something out to, to, to get, get you through. You get into Wharton, uh, go to Wharton. And it, it worked out very well for the uh, for for my two sons. So, and they're they're both very successful in what they do, and um, and the they they're they're still they're still involved with wrestling. They, my my oldest son Clinton is the uh, uh, the the little leg coach uh, up there in in Summit uh, for 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 wrestling and. Uh, and his two sons uh, are wrestling. Brett is his, his son uh, had, is all fired up to wrestle, but he's Brett's kind of holding them back and not not letting them wrestle yet. So it, it, we'll, we'll see how it all works out. And my daughter has a couple of kids. <laughs> At least her, her oldest son. I mean, he he he's all fired up to wrestle. He li- they they live in Manhattan. So, but, uh, so hey, with it, I don't know, once you get, once it's in the blood, I guess it just goes, goes from one generation to the next. I don't know. Definitely. How <laughs> yeah. old did, uh, did you introduce your boys to wrestling? Uh, well, I was the assistant wrestling coach at Penn state. So, I mean, I would bring my kids to, to practice because my wife would have to do something and she, she couldn't handle all three kids. So I just stick them in the corner of, of uh, you know the Penn State wrestling room while we were while we were practicing on a Saturday or a Sunday, uh, and they 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 and then I we would take them to all the, the wrestling meets at Penn State. So they 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 kind of figured out uh, uh, what wrestling was at a very early age, and and they they took to it like like ducks to water i mean they just they just loved wrestling and uh, and i i think you you probably you know as a as a former wrestler you know you, you you can't you can't you you can introduce wrestling to to a kid uh and he's he or she is is going to either like it or they're not going to like it and you can't force them to like it so uh, no matter no matter what you do, I mean, if they don't like it, that's it. Then, then go find something else that you want to do. That's uh, that that's what I always told my kids, and they they both liked it, and and here here we are. <laughs> so, wow! So yeah. why did you stop coaching at Penn State? Uh, well, I, I was trying to make some more money. I think. Yeah, there, there, there's, no, there's no money, you know, like uh, being an assistant wrestling coach and things of that nature. So uh, I was uh, fortunate enough that through my uh, wrestling contacts, uh, like some, there was a gentleman named uh, uh, Phil Sig, uh, who's a, a very successful businessman uh, in in uh, the the state college central central. Pennsylvania. Well, he lived in Belfont. Uh, he lived in a mansion in Belfont, and uh, he got me a job. Right, my first job in 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 business, uh, uh, coming out of Penn State, and uh, I mean, like I, I I'm, I'm eternally thankful uh, for for that oppor- uh, opportunity. And after after that, uh, like I also. 
uh, I was talking to my 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 former uh, uh, college roommate and friend and and wrestler a guy named Ira Lubert who uh, he, uh, who's uh, you know who owns half of half of the world too. Uh, but, He's uh, been on this uh, podcast. Ira has. Uh, oh, has he? Yeah. 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 I mean, I I see Ira. Uh, you know, we had dinner about the, a, a week or two ago, and you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm we chit chat whenever, whenever we need to do something uh, you know, to to get a, a, out of business. But, uh, but he he uh, he told me that he was working at IBM at the time. He said, "Hey, they're they're hiring at IBM. Why don't you go? Uh, uh, I'll get you an interview there." And I, I went down, interviewed, and got the job, and worked at IBM for. And that's that's what really got my career going in uh, in, in in IT uh, in the IT world. Uh, I I worked for IBM for a number of years, and then uh, went off and found an opportunity with a couple of their competitors. Ended up uh, being hired back by IBM, <laughs> so uh, and uh, ended my career uh, with. Uh, uh, in the, uh, the 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 telecom industry, which uh, uh, a guy named Jack Chittister, who by the way his his dad was my junior high school coach, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I I knew Jack since he was a little tiny kid. And Jack Jack was in the telecom world, uh, ended up being like a, a executive uh, vice president for for MCI and and uh, you know. Uh, president of a number of other uh, uh, telecom companies and uh, he said well come over and work uh, work, work for me and you know we, we still go out and have lunch too uh, as a matter of fact uh, so he's he, he, he's he's a good guy he, he he wrestled at Penn State as well he was 118 pounder so <laughs> We don't have connections that. everywhere. <laughs> we don't. We uh, that's that's really like that's you know you 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 wonder how wrestling changes your life. I mean those those are a few examples of how they uh, you know it changed my professional life, uh, like by uh, by being a wrestler and knowing those people, uh, you know through wrestling. So that that that's what that was uh, uh, that that's my you know, professional career in a nutshell. So. Well, I'm in uh, I'm in software sales, so I'm, I'm I love okay. talking about sales, and uh, you know I understand you went through the IBM you know legendary sales training academy. You guys were selling mainframes, and um, yeah, that's uh, I love talking about that kind of stuff. How did you switch between being a sales rep and then also a solutions engineer? That seems to be pretty pretty different. And if I did the background uh, correctly, I saw that. Well, like in terms of uh, in terms of IBM, I mean they. They teach you to, to sell solutions. They, uh, the the, the uh, as a sales rep, I mean, you're not you, you know, you, you have certain machines that, uh, and you know, you know this. I mean, it, it, you're not you're not selling a machine. You're selling a solution. Mm -hmm. And if you don't sell the solution, right? And you, you sell the solution, you say, oh, oh, and by the way, you need to, you need this machine to run the solution. So I mean, it's it's almost like an afterthought uh, that uh, this is this is the entire package, you know, not just the software, but if you if you want it to work, you know, you, you need this equipment. So IBM had uh, they they I've always been selling solutions. We were selling distribution solutions, manufacturing solutions, uh, construction solutions. Uh, and and then there were a lot of specialty solutions, uh, you know, that uh, little niche uh, type type of uh, uh, software that that would run on the IBM equipment. So I did that, and 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 then I I did just uh, at one point I was working for a, a company called Dickens Data uh, that I ended up I was the Northeast regional representative and i we sold uh, risk 6000s and sp uh, 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 machines which was uh, aix unix type of machines and I, 
at that point, all I was doing was selling hardware, but I, but I was selling hardware to, uh, you know, MetLife, uh, you know, the bank, bank of, uh, New York, uh, Boston bank, uh, state street bank in Boston, uh, fidelity, uh, chase Manhattan, you know, I, it, it, all, 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 all the, the, the big hitters. So when, you know, you walk into a room and you, 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 you know, you sign a contract, it's, uh, I mean, if it's not, not more than, if it's not, you know, if it's less than like two million dollars, I mean, you're kind of disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the those are some heavy hitters. I mean, into those kind of sales cycles, you know, can last yeah. years. Um, yeah. Maybe not that long if you know yeah. if they're already a customer. But you know, before we move on to wrestling, I'm just curious from a sales standpoint, what were some of the things you did like on a daily or weekly basis that allowed you to stand out and you know, um, you know, do better than your peers, so to speak? Was there anything you remember from those years? Uh, Oh, in sales, yeah. Well, sales is a, it's it's a lot like wrestling. It's it, you know, it's 85 percent of it is being there, and and being uh, uh, you know you know around your customer and and making sure your customer's happy. That's it, you know, uh, and. You, you don't you don't have to be the smartest guy in the world or anything like that but i mean if they they need something you make sure you get it for them and mm-hmm. uh, uh, now that's if you if you already have an established uh, bunch of accounts and that that's that's uh that that works very well finding new accounts then no, you, you you need to work harder, and you should get paid more for it too. By the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> for providing new accounts, but that's <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not in a sales plan anymore. I don't care. <laughs> no, I uh, I often say there's a lot of parallels between sales and wrestling, and you know, I, I mm-hmm. was curious to see that you uh, had done some selling in your life. You know, both and you mentioned Ira Lubert. You know, he's a a huge mm-hmm. name in the wrestling world, and if you look at you know, the Penn State the Penn state community specifically. And so he was one of your teammates at, at Penn state and yeah. you guys all wrestled under this legendary guy, Bill Cole, the father of Rob Cole. Yep. You know, people talk about Bill Cole, like he was like a saintly man or something Like people love this guy. Tell us a little bit about his coaching style and, and you know, why he was so revered by his guys. Uh, well, we, we, we used to call him a, uh, S O B. Sweet old Bill. <laughs> you could use you could use sob and other other terminology as well but uh no he was he, he was a, he, he was a, a a tough uh tough coach but he was a fair coach and uh he um he, he made you uh he made you do do the work and and uh he, he liked to win and he he was very upset if you didn't you know, you put put forth a hundred percent effort. There's no doubt about that. And just 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 a, a real solid citizen. Had uh, you know a, a wonderful family. Uh, Robbie, uh, we Rob, uh, we'll call him now. I, I guess he doesn't like to be called Robbie anymore. But uh, he was he was the youngest one of, of like five, and they used to call him the Fiend. <laughs> so. Uh, and, and they would literally, uh, uh, I, I'd go, I was out, uh, out at, uh, Cole's house one day, uh, we had for, for lunch or something like that. And they, they had a little farm at, out, out, out in Bullsburg, uh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, Robbie's just a little tiny kid and everybody else, all, all the other kids are all grown up. You know, he's got a couple of big daughters and, 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 and older brothers, and they would literally run full speed ahead right at him and knock him over. And he, <laughs> he, he would get up and flex himself with his arms out and, and, go, and the next one would come and run right over him again. <laughs> so, I mean, he, yeah, he got pretty tough quick. In, in that family that's for sure so <laughs> yeah no he uh he tells this hilarious story when he was wrestling for unc and they went to uni which of course is where bill wrestled for back mm-hmm. you know, during his years and uh he he was a freshman 
the whole arena was, you know, kind of talking about, you know, this is Bill's son. And, you know, he lost the match, but he got rode out in the third period. And from what I understand, you know, Coach Bill Cole wasn't someone to like, you know, get on you for losing, but he would get on you, you know, for certain things. And afterwards, uh, Bill Cole came to Robin and said, you know, I don't ever want to see you getting road again. Like we don't get road in this family. Like he was a stickler for that. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, absolutely. You get out on bottom. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, I, and, uh, I, I was, I, I learned that even before I got to Penn state. I mean, the first thing you want to do is if you're on bottom, you get out immediately. And there's that. I, I think uh, you're good. Okay. Uh, Hold on. Uh, send a voicemail. Okay. All right. We, I, okay. We're back. Um, I just you lost were, my train of thought. You were just <laughs> saying uh, like a mindset you had even before college was getting out from bottom. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that, that, that was the, the, the you know, f- foremost thing in, in this world. You, you see today, you see a lot of kids. I mean, like the referee blows the whistle and the first thing they do is they go into a little ball and they, they're they not busting on bottom. And then they get all tangled up and you know, like 45 seconds later, they might get out or 45 seconds later, they might be you know, like scrambling off their back. So, <laughs> so, so I, but I mean, I think that's that's the freestyle influence for for, uh, for a lot of these kids right now. Whereas, you know, that's, you know, they, they want to just like get there and, you know, like hope that the kid gets away from them right. uh, and catches catch can or college style or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, you got to bust on bottom, just get out. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, no, I like that, it. That, that's my philosophy. So. Well, it's, you know, Rob Cole still holds that <laughs> philosophy. He goes, it's, it literally is a mindset. And like in college, after he got rolled out, he went on like a just a rabbit hole of like changing his attitude to get out. And it was like throwing elbows, throwing his head, like whatever he had to do to get out. And it's I just love that that mindset. Yeah, well, but, uh, Coach Cole would always say, pretend you're underwater when you're on bottom. And the first thing you got to do is get up out of, out of a, you know, out of that water and do whatever you need to do and throwing elbows, throwing uh, throwing your head back into the guy, whatever it was, you know, you gotta, you gotta get that pressure back into the guy. So, yeah. And uh, man, I mean, you think about when you were there, Penn state had, had some really good teams. You guys got fourth when you were a junior. Um, but you know, kind of all the while this is happening, you have like the Vietnam war going on and all these social things, like how prevalent was that when you guys were going to school, like the threat of like maybe being drafted or something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I did, I did take my physical, my, my, uh, uh, freshman year and we were always worried about it because there was a lottery back then. And, uh, my number I'll never forget was 127. And, uh, that year they, they went up to 122. <laughs> wow. And so how would it work? Like every month there would be a drawing or every week? No, once a year. Okay. If they drew that, then that, this was the magic number, and then they just started taking people that were within that number. If your birthday was that number, they started taking you. So, oh my! Lord. I mean, it was it was uh, you know you, you didn't you really didn't want to. Uh, uh, you, I didn't I didn't want to go to Vietnam. I'll be you know, be perfectly honest with you. I know a, a lot of my. My high school uh, friends, you know, uh, uh, went over there, and uh, and a, a lot of them came back, uh, you know, very different. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a. Uh, it's just interesting to look back at those times, and I was because I noticed you were at the, you know, your first trip to the NCAA was 1970, which is of course, you know, the year the great Dan Gable had his his last loss, and but then yeah. I was like, man, that's also right in the thick of you know, Vietnam and all that. And I, I love the history stuff. So I didn't know like how prevalent that was. Um, and obviously coach Cole was a war hero. So, I mean, um, all that's going on back then. Yeah, no, it, it, it was, but I mean, we, we kept it. Uh, I, I didn't, you know, I'd be driving through state college and, you know, kids would be like walking or like 
out in the middle of the street, you know, saying no more Vietnam and I'd have to detour around them. So, so, I mean, I, I, I didn't participate in any of this stuff, but, uh, uh, I'm like, I certainly wasn't, uh, uh, you know, excited about that war. That's for sure. Right. Well, uh, when you, uh, you know, when you were going to college, of course, freshmen couldn't wrestle. So your first year in the lineup was your sophomore year. You win the EIWAs, get to the nationals and, and suffer a, a massive upset. Um, yeah. What, what do you remember about how that changed your mindset and your training going forward? Well, you know, I, I was beating the kid eight nothing, and I, 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 I got, I got caught. I was cocky, right? And I, and I, and I, there was kids from Oklahoma State, and I, and I'm, this kid, this kid stinks, and, and you know, and that was, and and I, he he, third period, he got on, t- he was on top, and and I didn't bust on bottom. I didn't try to get out real hard on bottom because I thought he was just a turkey and uh, he caught me and, and pinned me. And, and, and uh, I was walking off that mat and coach Cole, I'll never forget. Coach Cole came, came up to me and he said, you keep, keep your chin up. And he walked, he walked me right through the gym. And I told coach, I said, coach, I'm never going to lose this tournament again. Right. And, and I never did. Uh, and because back then you couldn't wrestle if the kid had to get to be the semifinalist mm-hmm. before you could get into the consolations back then. Mm-hmm. So the kid, kid lost the next round uh, by like a point or something like that. I don't know. And uh, I was out of the tournament. So I, I only got, I only got uh, to wrestle. I wrestled one match and then I wrestled that kid and got beat. So anyway, it but was that, that thought of like never losing again. That was right away for you. Yeah, I mean, I was. This was. Uh, this, that's not going to happen again. And and I pretty much ended up um, boring, boring myself and everybody else to death, uh, winning matches from then on in. I I wasn't going to be flashy. I wasn't going to do anything stupid. And I was just going to just go out there and you know grind them out. So, uh, which I did. So now. I don't know if it was two days later or a day later, you know, that the Larry Owings Gable match happens. I don't know if you were, you know, so I was did... there. I watched it. Yeah. What, yeah. what was it pretty, uh, pretty crazy to see it all unfold? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Well, I, 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 I had met Larry Owens. I was, I had gotten, uh, uh, recruited at Oklahoma State, uh, uh, coming out of high school and Oklahoma State, they had, uh, they had the East West tournament that uh, the weekend that they had like all, all the, all the recruits were coming in and Larry was one of them. And I, I chit chatted with Larry for a while. Uh, like, well, like uh, when, when I was there at, in, in high school and, and I got to, uh, I, I got to see him again uh, in the, uh, uh, out there at, at this Northwestern, that's where, where the tournament was. Uh, and, and I saw him I, it's in the, in, in the locker room when I said, Hey, how you doing? Larry? And he says, Hey, good, good. I, I said, what weight you going? He says, I'm going down to, I'm going down to 142. I'm going to beat Gable. Uh, and I, 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 I just, I look, I did Try not to laugh. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, I said, okay, <laughs> right. go for it. And, and that, but also combined with, uh, and I, I, I looked at that, like every, every like step Gable took that, that during that tournament, there was a microphone in his face. There were people following them around you know, like interviewing them. And, you know, I mean, I, I had the, I had to believe that, you know, that had, that might've had a little something to do with the fact that, you know, he, you know, Gable's, he, he probably wasn't as focused as he probably could have been for that match against Owens, but 
but Owens wrestled a terrific match and, and, you know, it, it, it took it to him. So, yeah, uh, now crazy, crazy moment in history. And it's awesome that you were there, you know, I'm sure you would have been like to be in the finals right now, you know, right after these guys coming up. Um, yeah. But obviously the, the next two years you got it done and we're a two time national champ, but um, yeah, no, uh, Larry's been on the show. Obviously, Coach Gable's been on the show, and it's just uh, you know, I, I don't think I've ever talked to another wrestler who was also there, kind of witnessing it unfold until until now. Yeah, no, it was it it, it was uh, it was pretty exciting. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they, uh, you know, oh, okay, I got it. Uh, yeah, they they both got standing ovations. You know, so. Mm -hmm. but, just like for, 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 for what, for what they did and, uh, and, and, and well, they should have, that's, that's, that's for sure. Cause I mean, it was an, a very exciting moment, uh, in, in, in wrestling, uh, wrestling history, quite frankly. So, yeah. And, you know, after that, we mentioned you went on to win two national titles, but the, the, you know, the wrestling culture back then was a little bit different in terms of, I don't know if freestyle was as prevalent, but what did like the summer and off season program look like for you guys back then? Well, there wasn't any freestyle. Uh, my summer program, I I was uh, a wrestling counselor, um, which we started we started in Florida and worked our way up the East Coast, Florida, Tennessee, Virginia, Carolina, uh, New York, uh, and we ended up in Pennsylvania. It was like uh, probably about probably about eight, eight, maybe 10 weeks of, of, uh, of summer camps that, uh, that were, that we were part of. And, you know, I got to wrestle, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of guys. And so I, I was, I, I was better after the summer than I was before the summer. And right. that's how, that's how we, uh, uh, that's how I, you know, pretty much stayed in shape and, and, and learned new techniques and things of that nature. Cause there weren't, uh, there weren't all, all those tournaments that, that, uh, you, you see right now, or, you know, you, you can find a tournament every weekend now, which is, you know, crazy, I think, but yeah. And, and, and kids still go into, I, I see my grandkids going into them. I know that. <laughs> so, so you uh, guys were like working the camps as instructors, like each kind mm -hmm. of high school working your way up the, up the coast. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was fun. Yeah. Like, especially Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That was, uh, yeah, we, we had, uh, that one was the best. We, we, uh, we were down there and our job was to work the camp. 24 hours full time you were there right you were doing all the clinics you were you were running it making sure the kids went to bed and and everything else and then after that uh we had uh, we had a, 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 a hotel room down on the strip of fort lauderdale so you can figure out that <laughs> we weren't going back to camp <laughs> So, boys had some fun during the summer yeah we did that, that, that was that was the fun one the other ones you know we were working every day though so right yeah and we, we and a lot of the clinicians that would come in were, were, were for, former uh, national champs and things of that nature you get to you get to roll around with those guys which was which was also fun and kind of build up your confidence that hey you know i can i can i can i can stay with this guy so Right. Uh, 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 so if, you mentioned if, the amount of matches kids have now or the tournaments available, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. And there's been a lot of talk about how much kids should wrestle. You know, you're a, you know, a wrestler yourself. You've coached at the collegiate level. Your sons have uh, been collegiate wrestlers. One was a national champ. What are your thoughts on, you know, how many matches a kid should be having and if it should be year round versus part time, like where do you fall on that scale? Well, it's, I think the kids probably wrestled. Some of them wrestled too much. Uh, you, you have to find a, 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 a. I mean, you've got you've got other things in life other than wrestling. That's that's what you got to understand with uh, with with these kids. And a lot of these, I see. Like you know, I, I see that like at these tournaments, these fathers with these little kids. I mean, you're. 
<laughs> you're, you're going, come on, come on. <laughs> hey, hey, he's just a little kid. He's, he's not, he's, you know, he's not getting a scholarship tomorrow. Right? <laughs> so just relax. But, uh, it, uh, I think, I think the NCAA and some, some of the, they've, they've cut back, uh, the number of, of NCAA, uh, times that you're able to wrestle which i think is healthy because uh i guess in the 80s it was i mean these, these some of these guys were wrestling 50 times mm-hmm. during the season uh you know like when, when are you going to go to school uh that that type of thing so uh but like the uh the the the, the postseason you can wrestle you can wrestle 50 times without even thinking yeah you know? So. And the RTC scene is so much different than it was even 10 years ago, let alone back in the seventies. Oh, I was, well, I was, there, there weren't any clubs back then that I think the first club that uh, I, I heard about was uh, Russ Hellickson up there in, in, in Wisconsin. He started, a, he started a, a club outside of you know, his program uh, for, for freestyle and, and Greco and all that, Iowa was right behind them, uh, and and everybody else. I know Penn State. We we uh, we started to to uh, get right behind that as well, and it's it's just it's just snowballed since then, uh, and th- that wasn't even the R- RTCs. Uh, right. Colorado Springs was the only thing out there at the time. And I think they had just gotten started. I don't even know when they got started, but uh, they, that was, you know, that that, that was uh, the, you know, that was that was the big thing. Now, now you've got RTCs like all over the United States, yeah. which which I think is great. But you know, it's uh, and you've got you know, tournaments all over the place. When, when I when I was in college, like the big tournaments were the Wilkes open <laughs> the East Stroudsburg open <laughs> and the Midlands had just gotten started. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there, there weren't any, there weren't any other like preseason or postseason tournaments that, uh, <laughs> uh, that, that you, you could really go to. So, uh, and uh, I mean, you look at what, the great Kale Sanders since then at your alma mater and, uh-huh. and you know, a lot of help with, with folks like Ira Lupert, that club is like one of the best in the world, better than most countries, the Nittany Lion wrestling club. I mean, their roster is insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you've, you've got, uh, uh, you have Ira who, who like, you've got Rich Lorenzo who, who's really behind uh, a, a lot of all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, Rich, Rich is from uh, uh, originally from Newton, New Jersey, and Ira is originally from Newton, New Jersey. And uh, and uh, I'll give give you a little background. Uh, Rich had Ira uh, work at their farm uh, when Ira was uh, uh, going into his senior year of high school uh, for the for the summer, and you know they got to be pretty good friends, and then. And Rich had uh, was already at Penn State, and then Rich uh, became the assistant wrestling coach uh, that following year, when as Ira was graduating from from uh, high school, and Rich got Ira to, to come over to Penn State. So wow, and, and they've you know and they've been bosom buddies ever since so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah rich is a guy who a lot of people have asked to uh to come on the podcast he's he's certainly welcome i know he has a lot of a lot of history out there in penn state and of course the wrestling room's named after him and man you think yeah. about some of those teams that were battling iowa in the 80s and 90s those were great penn state teams even before the yeah. the current you know great teams have, have come in yeah no rich is rich is a, a, a solid citizen and I, 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 he's a, he's a very humble guy. Uh, and he's, uh, uh, he probably, he probably doesn't 
want want uh, let's say he doesn't really want the spotlight okay at right. this at this time of his life okay so yeah yeah. And he was the uh, so. Did you work for him when you were coaching at Penn State? Uh, I was the assistant wrestling coach, and then uh, when Cole Cole uh, uh, decided to to uh, to to, uh, to leave uh, coaching, uh, Rich came in uh, as as the head coach, and he hadn't coached for five years, so I kind of helped him transition for the first year. I mean, and I, I was, I was 20, 27 years old. I mean, I, I, there, I, there's, I, I don't, I don't, even at my advanced age right now, I would never, I would not have been a, a good head wrestling coach. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but back then I would have been an awful head wrestling coach. <laughs> but the rich, rich really, really turned the program around and, and got things, things going. And I, and I got him started, uh, but, you know, he, he, you know, he was out of touch with a lot of, a lot of stuff. And, you know, I told him, Hey, we need a club and this is, you know, this, these guys are doing it. And, you know, you may want to talk to it. And I know he, he went and reached out to Russ Hallickson, uh, who was the coach at Wisconsin at the time, mm-hmm. maybe the assistant coach. I don't know. Uh, at, uh, and then, you know, and, and, and he, he started the, he started that whole process of, of getting, getting people be like m- more involved and, and, uh, and, and did a, did a great job. So, and his, his name is certainly is, it's good to have his name right on top of that. So, and, and you know, who made that happen? Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I can take a guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't now, have, I don't have that kind of money <laughs> <laughs> now after uh after you got out of coaching we talked about earlier you were in business for the rest of your career and then you know with your sons i'm sure you got really back into wrestling um and then of course they were both at penn during 1997 and i always bring this up to coach reina that eiwa is at penn in 97 must have been one of the most exciting events to be a part of what, what are your memories of that that tournament oh the, the the most exciting time for me was uh where was it Syracuse that's when Penn Penn hadn't won an EIWA championship was it Syracuse or Cornell Cornell uh, hadn't won a, a, a an Eastern championship for like like 55 years and they hadn't had an Eastern champion for like 50 years. Mm-hmm. So, and we ended up uh, having like four or five Eastern champs that day uh, and winning the EIWA championship. So that was, that was my most exciting time. Now in 97, I mean, we just blew everybody away. I mean, it, but I mean, it was, it was getting, I think we we won like like three or four or five EIWA championships in a row, which uh, uh, which you know Cornell's doing now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, coaches, Coach Rain is back, and they they definitely have some momentum going on. And um, yeah. so so ninety seven was when both Clinton Clinton and Brett won, and then the your the years prior is the first time Penn Penn won the titles. What you're what you're saying. Yeah, well, Clinton and Brett won the titles that year too. Okay. So, so Clinton's a two-time Eastern champion, uh, and the first years that they Brett was a freshman, Clinton was a junior. Uh, that that was that was my most exciting time for uh, for for Penn uh, or, or watching the boys wrestle, and uh, and and Brett went on and won four of them. So, uh, <laughs> which is kind of cool pretty amazing yeah and yeah. i mean if if that was the most exciting i gotta imagine the most stressful was something we were talking about off air earlier when you know 2000 uh brett your youngest was in the semifinals he was a senior and his his nemesis was tj williams and right. so uh they're both wrestling at the same time was it yeah they were both on the same that's how they do it you, you know how that, that's how oh they, yeah 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 but but his match uh, ended earlier with uh, uh, Wizell, uh, uh, you know, 
took them down in overtime for sudden sudden victory, and that was that was the end of T.J. Williams, and and Brett saw that, and and then it gets then gets reversed. Like I said, like with and you know if the kid had rode, ridden him out, he he would have lost his riding time and then lost the match, uh, but that didn't happen. So what happened in the finals? Uh, he he went. Um, he hit Wazell with a uh, uh, throw by double and and drove him down with about uh, uh, with about thirty or forty seconds left in the first period, and then rode him out. So he's beating him two nothing with uh, with with a you know bunch of riding time, and then. Uh, I think he took, I think Brett took down, he got, got out. He's, he's, uh, uh, and was uh, reversed them for, for one thing, but then, then, then was, was didn't go down, mm. which, which like, if you, if you were looking at it, was going to have to take him down twice to, to beat him. Right. Uh, and that wasn't going to happen. So, uh, and, and Brett, Brett just, uh, you know, it was a very unexciting match, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, exciting for me because he won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was like five, three or five, two that, that Brett won something like that. So, uh, but that, that was, uh, Hey, uh, that, that, that was a nice culmination to, uh, to Brett's career. That's for sure. Definitely. And I know you guys were maybe the fourth or the fifth father son to, to win NCAA titles. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and then after that, you know, Clint and Brett were big with beat the streets and actually, you know, co-founded it. And, uh, did you work with beat the streets at all? Yeah, I, I have in the past, uh, uh, worked with them. I I'm, I've, I've stepped away from it now. I mean, they, they're, they're pretty well, uh, they're, they're, run, they're running, you know, full steam ahead with, with, with the folks that are, that are, uh, uh, in, in place at this point in time. So, uh, uh I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I, I, I didn't want to do, you know, I, I was doing it every day for a while there and, and no thanks. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm lazy. <laughs> I, I'm old and lazy now. So, <laughs> It's a lot of work, though. I mean, uh, that any, you know, the beat the streets is is an amazing thing. And I was involved with a little bit myself, but kind of like you, I'm like, man, this is this is more uh, time commitment. Than I think people realize when they, you know, mm-hmm. they hear about it, they get excited and they want to help. But it's it's a full on commitment. So, you know, beat yeah. the streets Phillies is doing awesome as is beat the streets Chicago. And, you know, as we wind down, I just had two questions that I wanted to to kind of close down with. The first is. You know, you've seen a lot of elite wrestling, both with your sons and then with yourself. What do you think are, you know, one or two factors or one or two ingredients that are that are key that you've seen with champions over time? Well, uh, the the, the cha- champions are in great shape because uh, you have to own the third period, and there's there's a lot there's a lot of there, there's a lot of lot of uh, great wrestlers for uh, for one period, and then then they become average wrestlers in the second period, and then then they can hardly move in the third period. <laughs> so you need to be in that terrific shape to to be able to go all all uh, all seven minutes. It used to be eight minutes, but now seven. But uh, so that that's that's one thing, and and the other thing is 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 the mindset. You have to uh, m- never doubt your abilities, and and be be absolutely focused on what you want to do, and and you know win, and 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 win. They're just uh, they're, there's 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 no other option but win, and that you know, like if you're, uh, you know, like if your mother walks out in front of you. Yeah, you're going to beat her up to to get that win. So that that's that it's it's that kind of mentality and it's, it's that kind of conditioning that you need, I think, to uh, uh, to be successful in in, uh, in in wrestling. The moves, yeah, yeah, you're gonna 
Yeah. Well, you get right down to it. You look, you look at a lot of it. You got singles, you got doubles, you got stand-ups, you got sits, you got some pinning combinations. And you learn like you learn those six or seven moves, right? Well, you're you're gonna be a champion. I mean, you don't you don't need to know all, all the other little tiny uh you know like, like other other things. But I love how you simplified it. it. Is it is that simple. Sometimes wrestlers like to overcomplicate it. Yeah, it's it's pretty basic stuff. So yeah. And the, and then the other thing is you talk about the mindset. Uh, did you ever have any issues with like self-doubt or anything like that? And, and how'd you overcome those? Well, everybody, everybody has self-doubt. And as soon as I would even think about doubting myself, I'd start slapping myself. <laughs> so saying, get that out of your brain, you idiot. <laughs> so, uh, and just, love- and just go forward from there. So uh, I love it. That's really what you have to do. So, Last question for you. You know, the podcast is called Wrestling Changed My Life. You mentioned earlier that relationships from wrestling are a big part of it. But if you had to take it one step further, how has you know wrestling shaped or impacted you, whether it's through coaching, business, parenting, whatever? Well, I I it's it's changed me through through parenting and and through business. I mean, I I uh, got a lot of uh, doors open to me because of my. Uh, uh, in my professional life, because of wrestling, uh, I, I met my wife of uh, over 49 years now uh, because of wrestling. Uh, my my uh, all of my children, uh, my relationship with my children uh, is, is is very strong uh, because of wrestling, and and that in, that even includes my daughter, uh, who doesn't wrestle. But I mean, we used to drag her to all the wrestling matches. <laughs> I mean, so uh, we 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 bonded in, in, in that regard. And she she loves her two 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 brothers. So uh, you know, it, it's a it's it's a nice family family affair in that regard. So uh, so family and profession it it cert- certainly has helped me. So love it. Well, yeah. Mr. Motter, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Any last words before oh. we sign off? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm all talked out, Ryan. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode with Andy Motter. Wrestling Changed My Life is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. This interview was sponsored by Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash WCML to take advantage of this special offer of five free travel packs and a one-year supply of vitamin D droplets. Athleticgreens.com slash WCML. That's it, folks. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life.